Welcome, bienvenue to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. So the other day I was looking at um, API kind of info, help info, and I saw a line of sample code that was just just spoke to me. Do you see this, Mike? So they they have it set uh, set Ned Stark user equals client dot create user Ned Stark. <laughs> it was it was pretty good. Hey, you gotta you gotta draw inspiration from you know your favorite cultural icons, I guess. Good to know that it's not just us who are being nerds about Game of Thrones, relating it into regular life. I gotta say, it's interesting that you picked Ned Stark as your go-to guy. That he did? No, I didn't. This was no, this was on the the website. I know. I'm just saying it's interesting that they picked Ned Stark as. Oh yeah, that one would. Well, they had others. They did have Jon Snow as an example, oh. and I think they did have Daenerys as well. Daenerys would be tough. Harder to spell than Ned Stark. Oh, a lot harder. Or Jon Snow, for that matter. Yeah, it's very simple. Well, Jon Snow gets a little complicated because the lack of H. It's true. It's true. But still easier than Daenerys. I guess maybe they went with Stormborn to be easier than having to remember how to spell Targaryen or... You, you could do that as well. So I also grabbed a screen grab from Spotify. Did you notice what was in the screen grab? Oh, I, uh, you know, I'm not sure that we should spoil it for everybody. I think we should just go recommend that they listen to any Star Wars soundtrack. Yeah, you should definitely listen to a Star Wars soundtrack in Spotify and you might um, be interested in the progression bar. Oh, <laughs> pretty good hint. Strong hint. So we do try and steer away from political things in this podcast, but uh, but you're right. There is every time you hear the word treason, I know what clip you think about. Oh yeah, it's just Emperor Palpatine saying. So it's it's treason then. <laughs> but I I always think instead when I hear people talk about winning, I actually think of Emperor Palpatine telling them that they have in fact lost. No, you have lost. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. This is a fantasy baseball podcast. We made fantasy baseball picks in the past week, and uh, we've, we've been having some discussion about upside picks. Heated. Heated discussions about upside picks. And I think, you know, it's interesting because we've each recruited another member of our league to our side of the argument. Mm. So what we have right now is Dan Straley versus Tyler Skaggs. And I want to put this in the bet box, but you seem a little hesitant about it. I am hesitant because just by sheerly showing up for 20 games, Skaggs, uh, Skaggs might be outmatched by Straley. Skaggs going to be on an inning limit this year? Not sure, but he's coming back from... This is going to be his first full year back from TJ. He pitched... Uh... How many innings did he pitch last year? So he got 
50 innings in last year. Oh, only 50? Oh. Mm. All right. K per inning, three wins, and an ERA over four. Oof, and a whip in the Lance McCullers range, 1.5. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's not a lot that you can count on Lance McCullers for, but a 1.5 whip. <laughs> he's oh, got that. Most definitely. He's got that locked down for sure. Uh, All right, so okay, let's just put this in the bet box. I will say, if he doesn't, I, what I want to say something, but I won't. Give you, you know you, what? You want it? You no. want an out clause? You want an out clause if he pitches no, less you know than what? 100 innings, it's off. The question is, will are, are we going to do this in a week to week head head to head, or are we doing this aggregate? I think week to week, we keep track who won the week between the two of them. Okay, let's do that. We'll do a weekly head-to-head. Dan Straley versus Tyler Skaggs. Uh, this week we're going to try and populate a little bit of the bet box here. I've got an underdog pick that Eric is going to explain to us talking about middle infielders. And then after the break, I'm going to continue talking about finding your fantasy stats in the 5x5 format and talk about how to optimize stolen bases. So Eric, take it away on middle infielders. Conventional fantasy wisdom posits that there are positions that are strong and positions that are weak in the game. A lot of the prolific hitters are lumped together in that amalgamous group of outfielders. Uh, See Bonds, Barry, have you heard of him? Aaron, Hank, just a guy. Uh, Ruth, Babe, I don't know. These are just names that came up in my search of prolific outfield hitters. But... um, Makes some sense, though, that that group includes players from three unique positions. But I want to talk about the infield. So historically, first base has been a great fantasy position because teams can, quote, hide their big, clumsy power bats at the position. Think players like Jim Tomei, Mark McGuire, Rafael Palmero, and Albert Pajols. Even in their primes, uh, they were never as nimble as the likes of Barry Larkin or Brandon Phillips, not sure why I went to Reds with those examples, but automatically do when I try to come up with examples from the middle infield. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I think Chuck Knobloch, because that's, uh, that's who the Twins had. When Chuck, <laughs> Chuck Knobloch. Yeah, well, I mean, I was going to say Nomar, but uh, <laughs> he ended up playing first. All right, so, so our dream middle infield slots are uh, Chuck Knobloch and Nomar. All right, that's good. Nice, yeah. Oh. That would be an interesting infield. (laughs) On the other hand, middle infield positions are often considered weak in fantasy because they need to be fast and nimble in the field, which means fewer home runs, fewer RBIs. Um, And if you look at the record books, this is going to bear it out. I was just looking at the, uh, the top 100 home run hitters, and it's just like, just dominate. It's dominated by outfielders, but then, you know, first base, DH third with um some guy uh named a rod who i don't know which position you want to count him as or whether you want to disqualify him um so and he is what uh we in the statistical biz would typically call an outlier Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, during season zero i figured out inadvertently that that this um this position that uh, first base is a is a is a strong position and middle infield is weak. Um, I inadvertently figured out that this is no longer the case. Maybe 
Um, they're a, fl- a slew of good middle infielders and not a lot of depth at first. Um, I did a quick look at the projections for next year, and this seems to be borne out for this year as well. Uh, for instance, looking at the aggregated projected stats of the top 12 infielders at each position. So 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 at second versus the same at first, shortstop, third, etc. Um the second base eligible players win the day. So they have the most runs, stolen bases, uh, with the highest average. Um, they're second to last in home runs in last, last, dead last in RBIs. Uh, this makes sense because second base men are typically speedy contact hitters. Batting high in the order. I have a feeling we're going to talk about that a little, a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Um, first and third were tied for second. With the shortstops bringing up the rear. Womp womp. Um, does this mean you need to grab a good shortstop early? Um, perhaps not. I think there's going to be more about this next week. Hopefully this is a bit of a teaser. Does any of that surprise you, Mike? I have the uh, the stats down. Yeah, I'm looking at the table. I I am surprised by that. I'm su- Why do the third baseman get so many runs? They are in a good... Like, if you think about the guys who are third... The, the top third baseman um there is there are some amazing guys who are batting like third in the lineup yeah 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 you know the other thing that's crazy we're going to talk about this more after the break but uh something like a quarter of those stolen base totals for the first baseman come from one guy yeah exactly (laughs) yeah they lose stolen bases so badly yeah, so listen to the top. I mean, the one of the big stories here is that third base is incredibly deep, and there is a yeah. lot of variation. But top 12 third baseman, Nolan Arenado, my buddy, one of my favorites. Chris Bryant, one of my least favorites. Josh Donaldson, <laughs> Manny Machado, Jonathan B.R., Kyle Seeger. Kyle Seeger, oh my God. Matt Carpenter, Adrian Beltre, your buddy, Alex Bregman, Todd Frazier, my man, and Evan Longoria. All right, so I am proposing a bit of a challenge. This podcast today was not adversarial enough, I guess. Um, Stats are great in aggregate for predicting, but sometimes you need to play out the scenarios. So I'm proposing that we go head-to-head. So this is what I'm thinking here. We're going to do a 1v1 um, weekly head-to-head category scoring matchup, 22 weeks. You take one middle, in, one middle infield position, I take the other one. And I was pressuring you into, because you said at some point that you wanted shortstops. Now they have a little bit more information. Do you want shortstops or second baseman? I'm still taking shortstops. Okay. All right. I'm taking second baseman. So we're going to do five standard categories, weekly scoring. So just we're just going to set it probably Monday night when we talk, and then we'll, uh, we'll go from there. We'll give updates periodically. One suggestion. Do you want to add PAs as a category? Let's add PAs as a category. So it'll be six, six categories each week. I like this. 12 starters. We can both own the same player. So if you want to have Gene Segura and I want to have Gene Segura, 
if he's eligible, you know. Yeah, are you not morally opposed to Gene Segura? Oh, I don't want to. I'm not gonna. Not gonna do it. <laughs> not, not, not gonna do it. I don't think he's gonna play a single game of second base this year. We're doing the standard, our same league, CBS eligibility? Yes, our, our league's eligibility. Okay. Which, at some point, maybe you're gonna add a... Man, I hope VR, hope VR slides over to short a bunch this year. <laughs> yeah. Oof, look at this Motley crew. If I take the top... See, this is what's awesome about second base. If I take the top 12 second baseman, I've got Jose Altuve and Trey Turner. Daniel Murphy. Your buddy, Brian Dozier. Robinson Cano. Yeah, second base is deep. I'm going to have to punch Gene Segura, though. No way are you starting us. Or with Ned Odor. You guys can get out <laughs> Oh, don't start team. Odor. That's a bad one. Jose Peraza. Yeah, Dustin. we're gonna uh, Peraza is gonna come back up, but yeah, this is gonna be this is gonna be fun. All right, so everyone, listen up for updates on this in the future. This is gonna be a little fun experiment. Um, yeah, any players that you want to name right now that you're really interested, you're really interested in following? Oh well, I mean, there's there's a lot that could that could go on between the third and shortstop stuff. I'm I'm hoping that both VR and Nunez manages to find his stroke for the Giants. Oh, Nunez. <laughs> well, you do apparently have uh, Mr. Machado. I do. Wow, and Corey Seager, and Carlos Correa. That's a pretty good start. If they uh, if Trey Turner plays some short reps too. No way. Nah. No. No. Okay. <laughs> See? The, you have lost. <laughs> that clip is so fitting. Yeah, we'll play that to each other. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is going to be fun. Hope you're enjoying the fourth podcast of our 2017 season. Here's Eric learning a little something about his adopted state, my home state. I had not realized that Land Lakes was <laughs> what <laughs> how do you miss that it's one of those things that in like retrospect it's like oh duh of course <laughs> it's like and i know that there's gonna be one listener who's gonna listen to this it's like knowing that the los angeles lakers were actually yep. originally originally the minneapolis lakers aka a land o lakes Eric set us up nicely for a discussion of what some people might think the traditional middle infielder is good for, stolen bases. You're kind of the stolen base master in our league, Eric, so can you answer this burning question for me? Is winning stolen bases a specialist position? I think for the most part it is. It's really hard to win stolen bases on a given week if you don't have a specialist because they are expensive Having the players with speed, you know, the 10 to 15 stolen bases, having all of your players have the kind of five-tool category players is really, really expensive. So, yeah, I prefer having one guy that, I don't know, steals. I'm going to I'm gonna say it right now, 80 bases. <laughs> no, I, we'll, we'll get to that, but I, I accept that. So, just putting some numbers on this. Of the top 300 hitters, only a quarter stole more than 10 bases, which is like one every three weeks on average in 2016. Yeah, wow. Okay. And only 7% of the top 300 stole more than one a week, so 30 bases during during the season in 2016. So, you know, 
only 7% of the top 300 can you even think about counting on for a stolen base a week, which is crazy. Yeah. And so uh, one of the things that I was thinking about in terms of the specialist position, though, you know, your favorite specialist, Billy Hamilton, you're calling him for 80 stolen bases. You know, if they don't ever bat him behind Zach Cozart this year, uh, mm. I think he might get there. <laughs> He's just such a terror on the base paths. It's so fun to watch. The counterpoint to that specialist position is somebody like Mike Trout. Mm. Now, that's not entirely fair, right? Because Mike Trout is absolutely one of a kind. Hands down, the most valuable player in fantasy. That's right. But you can get a long way. You can get a long way in stolen bases having just having Mike Trout. So for me, the bottom line, though, is that it's really hard to get stolen base wins in a head-to-head league without specialists. And so when I say specialists here... I'm going to argue that I define that as guys that over a whole season get less than 10 home runs. Um, so guys that I would think of as specialists are Billy Hamilton, Starley Marte, Davis, Perez, Dyson, Gordon, Jankowski, your boy. Um, use his full title, please. <laughs> oh, yeah. Excuse me. Yeah, wh- what do you want? What do you want his full title? To be? I believe it's Travis Jankowski of the House Targaryen, first of his name, King of the Andals and the First Men, Lord of the Seven Kingdoms and Protector of the Realm. AKA the dragon. If you don't get if you don't get that, just go look at a picture of him. <laughs> look at a picture of him in the series. And the last one is is Chris Owings, who is uh who's probably gonna be a waiver wire guy for in most leagues this year, but he's he's definitively a, a stolen base specialist. Yeah, if he hits his targets, he's if he's gonna actually get to the plate appearances that he's projected at, I'll be surprised. Yeah, um, yeah, a lot depends on what happens in Arizona, I think. But so another point is just that the league average success rate for stolen bases is right around 70 bases, 70%. This is surprisingly robust, and I'm trying to figure out exactly why that is. So, you know, a player like Billy Hamilton isn't isn't appreciably more successful than a guy that only steals a few bases. Do mm-hmm. you have any insight on why that is? You mean from our conversation earlier today off air about plate appearances and no, no, because this is this is just success rate. So this is you know if you take the ratio of stolen bases to every time that they're sent, so they're stolen bases plus they're caught stealing, it's like just flat out flat average across the board at seventy. Oh yeah, but they're being sent in more situations where you wouldn't se- you wouldn't send most players. Uh, like when you send Billy Hamilton, like he is going on cases where someone even just a couple ticks slower than him wouldn't be sent. I see. So you're saying you're saying that it really is that managers sort of understand the situations that you send your individual players in. Yeah, and like I love watching the Reds, even though they're horrible, because <laughs> when Billy Hamilton is on first base. The pitcher is just spooked, like just watching him because he's like, ah, oh, geez, what what is Billy Hamilton gonna do when he's gonna steal? And all of a sudden, he's on third base. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so, what do we do about finding stolen bases here? Yes. What um, do we do? I read a good article this past week. Um, finally tracked it down, I guess, from Fangraphs. It was published on February twenty seventh. But the the big thing here for these specialists, as you well know, is playing time. So you you have to be a little careful drafting specialists, stolen base specialists, because it's not clear that they'll be in the lineup and actually produce what you hope they will. 
It's interesting to me that teams don't have a lot of spread in plate appearances. I was wondering if you might lean towards um, teams that had more plate appearances, if you would give less of a penalty to like the ninth batter on the Red Sox than, say, the ninth batter on the Phillies. It turns out that that's not really a strong effect. Even the last, the spread between the last place team and the first place team in terms of plate appearances was only about 5%. Hmm. So I wouldn't draft a Red Sox um, counting on them getting more plate appearances. Okay. One place that you could find a tiny advantage is against um, starters. The left-right pitcher split is small but statistically relevant. Um, you get about 1.2% against lefties and 1.5% against righties. So if you're really, really desperate and need to play the odds that hard, yeah, better motion from the left. Eric is currently running through the pitching motions. Trying to figure out which one's better to steal from first on. Righties. <laughs> yeah. Of course. And so it's a noticeable effect. So, you know, if you really, if you really championship on the line, can only pick one guy, pick the guy who's going against a righty, I guess. Or John Lester. Um, wondered a little bit about manager effects as well. The dispersion in terms of stolen bases by teams is huge. The Brewers, of course, stole the most bases last year, helped along by Jonathan VR getting a third of their stolen bases. Uh, he stole three times as many bases as the entire Orioles team. Yeah, the Orioles are a historically slow team. But why are they slow? Well, we, I mean, you know, we've discussed this ad nauseum. Like, Manny Machado can steal more than zero bases, but... But can he steal more than eight? <sighs> I don't know. We'll find out. Uh, and there's no home and away split. I was wondering if there was there was something about feeling more comfortable at home uh there's nothing there the home cooking doesn't give you the runs <laughs> thank you for saying that no it does not uh but what about positional eligibility um just a couple of quick notes here um it turns out that outfielders have more stolen bases by position than middle infielders or corner infielders for that matter um if you restrict your analysis to just 2016 11 of the 28 players that had more than 20 stolen bases last year had second base or shortstop eligibility. Most of them were outfield eligibility. Mm -hmm. um, and I've got a little little graphic here showing that um, these guys, the guys who do steal bases, don't really care about where they bat in the order. Um, and it's pretty fixed between both the middle infielders and the outfielders. But looking at this list... Um, there's two guys that stand out to me as batting way down in the order and still stealing a lot of bases. Are you more surprised that 2016 Elvis Andrews or Jose Ramirez stole more than 20 bases, considering that they both batted in the second half of the order? I mean, I cannot believe that Jose Ramirez is fast enough to steal that many bases. I know. He was on my team. I loved him. He stole bases for me. Elvis Andrus has always been fast, and I feel like they just keep on, like, he keeps on moving back in the batting at order. One of those few players that gets worse as he gets older. <laughs> he was amazing when he was 23. They batted him at, they batted him 7th and 8th last year, predominantly. But he still got his stolen bases, which I found really interesting, that they could bat him that far down and still send him a bunch. Don't know exactly what that means. Um, I do I do appreciate Travis Jankowski batting first ahead of Will Myers, but he's got to steal 
second and third so that Will Myers can steal second. Oh, right. Sure. No, he's got to get to third when Will Myers singles him over to... Yeah, I'll uh, I'll take that, except I think, you know, I'm counting on Will Myers taking a bunch of walks this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your OBP league and a batting average. <laughs> That's OBP. right, yeah. I'm, I'm just still hunting for those OBP guys. I will say that if you go back to 2015, though, um, don't restrict your analysis to 2016, stolen bases were completely outfield dominated. Mm-hmm. The rise of the middle infielder is, in terms of a stolen base guy, is completely confined to 2016. Well, I think if you look farther back, you'll see you'll see some middle infielders in the yeah. uh, high up in the ranks. No, that's also true, and maybe that gets to a, a slightly deeper point about the volatility of stolen base totals from year to year. Yeah, it, it's kind of the crop of players that are out there. Yeah. That's really true. Uh, last, you know, side note here. Uh, I, I don't, I don't dislike sabermetric stats at all. I think that they're a useful tool. But have you have you read about ultimate base running or you know ultimate zone defense or anything like that? I feel like there needs to. If they should have figured out how to make that burp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's base running ultimate running projections plays. I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> yeah so i think i'm bothered by the rash of these black box sabermetric stats i mean ultimate base running is so complex that you can't possibly well not you can't possibly but it's really hard to calculate on its own i mean you and i love using python and i wouldn't dream of attempting to code up a calculation for ultimate base running Oh my god, that would be like six or seven lines of of code into like a function. <laughs> well, I think it's more like you have to have access to all of the all of these stats. Yeah, because and you have to use. I mean, it's built on so many layers. There's the leverage index and the run expectancy and all of the sabermetric stuff. And I'm just not sure that it actually tells you anything about stolen bases. the The regression was was not great when I looked at it between the, the fan graphs, ultimate base running score and the stolen base total. So I guess I personally would advocate for staying away from that and staying to the more fundamentals. Like how many times does the guy go to the plate? Yeah. We like to keep it, keep it simple. Yeah. Anytime that you're adding Greek letters into an equation <laughs> for something like fantasy sports, you know, that you're going too far. I mean, I do feel comfortable with stolen bases. You know, you look at this list and you're not surprised by anybody. Like all of these guys, apart from Jose Ramirez, are eye test guys. You look at him and you're like, oh, that guy can steal a lot of bases. Yeah, you don't even have to look at his stats. You're just like, hmm, look at at Billy Hamilton. He can steal 20 bases. (laughs) So maybe this is one of those rare times when we're telling you you can actually give up on the stats a little bit, but you got to get out there and do some good old-fashioned scouting. Yeah, do some good old-fashioned scouting. And make sure that they're batting first in the order. So you want to wrap this sucker up, buddy? Sounds good to me. How's your bracket doing? Well, I had Villanova winning, so uh, it's not great. But <laughs> I for, I totally forgot, you know, yesterday, like everyone else in the known universe was rooting for South Carolina to knock off Duke. Yeah. But what I didn't realize is that I actually had South Carolina over Duke in my bracket. I did. I did as well. Yeah. 
I mean, I was just like, you know, knee-jerk rooting against Duke. Like, man, I can't wait to see them lose. I was rooting against the people rooting against Duke. (laughs) (laughs) This is like, oh, come on, guys. Like, Duke isn't really that bad. It's probably the most controversial thing that I've said on this podcast. Wow. I... Yeah, I think that might be. So does that mean you like does that mean you you hate UNC or like you ride hard for NC State or like what's your what's your North Carolina basketball team? Um or enemy, I guess. You know what? I'm a Wolfpack man. Wolfpack man. Yeah. <laughs> Most definitely. <laughs> I I I should not be surprised by that. I don't know why I didn't think that would be true. I mean, Michael Jordan played for UNC. Um, a lot of people. Grant Hill played for Duke. And Russell Wilson, Mr. Jerry Curl himself, played for NC State, right? So how how is the rest of your bracket doing? Are you, you in a better um, boat than I am? or? So I have two brackets. I have one like okay. just for fun bracket. And I have one like that I did seriously. And right now, the one that I did seriously has far more points. The mm-hmm. one that I did just for fun has a lot more capacity uh, <laughs> to yeah. score points. Yep. <laughs> I yep. hate when that happens. Uh, I know. <laughs> and I didn't make the right like upset calls in both of them. So I like have uh, in one of my brackets, I had in one of my brackets, I had Villanova winning it all, and in the other mm-hmm. one, I had Wisconsin beating Villanova. Oh man! And unfortunately. I don't have the Wisconsin winning with the um, Gamecocks winning. So I advocated for this week's review session. You'd put up a number of different options. This is so near and dear to my heart. And also I ate, I think, probably three steaks in the past week. (laughs) Butter. You could have gone a few different directions. Thankfully, you went with butter. Sticks of cinnamon, I feel like, would have been an interesting choice. So apparently, Americans are eating more butter. It's on the rise for the first time in a while. It had been verboten. We can't be anywhere near, like, 1940s level of butter. Peak butter consumption? No, probably not. Well, total butter consumption, maybe. Yeah. We're a much yeah. bigger country. Right. But I think, you know, you got to get to just before the introduction of margarine, like then do the, the butter per capita. Ugh, margarine. Yeah. Well, at least at least we know where this isn't a review session about margarine because we both know that we would hate it. I had, I had only real I only realized that like butter, like my family always used butter. It was very buttery. Oh, yeah specific family that was my father was german my mother's (laughs) family was french so the french side cook everything with butter and the german side say what the hell is olive oil why would we not just use butter but i remember in in my history training them talking about how that really was the distinction in the roman empire of the germanic tribes that were ended up in the, the roman empire versus the real roman folk i feel i feel much better about my heritage than in my my love of butter i've always been a little bit distrustful of olive oil i never understood why what's your like do you how do you think of your the amount of butter that you put on toast do you think that you're on the the light side or like the heavy side of the butter 
<laughs> I'm probably I'm probably on the heavier side because oh, yeah. I do the Eric Renz patented butter it and then jam it, which uh, <laughs> yes. yes, the lady just does not understand. Dude, you have to. You gotta put the layer of butter down before the jam. What are you, Absolutely. What are you I mean, about? like the jam can't touch the bread. It's not yeah. allowed. Everybody knows this. Do yeah. people not know that? That's baffling to me. I think people don't know this. Wow. Ugh, this, this has been a this has been a serious review session for agreement. I think this was this wasn't a review so much as like a celebration of butter. It was. All right. I know <laughs> I know how to make this a little bit confrontational. Oh no. Are you a, you're are you an unsalted butter man? I'm absolutely unsalted. Oh wow. Wow. I am I am shocked. I am shocked. I am an unsalted butter man myself. Wow, I can't even figure out that. Do you like the Irish butter? I I'm a little cold on Irish butter. God, I thought I was gonna get you there too. Yeah, I don't <laughs> really like the Irish butter. It's not just that it doesn't actually taste any better. <laughs> that yes. I don't want to spend yes. twice as much for it. All right, time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. You can try tracking down our personal email or sending us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, mind the Z. All I've got left for you is worst of luck to you, buddy. Worst of luck to you, too. Yeah!